Welcome to Deep Roots, a project of Cortez Community Radio. Deep Roots is an examination of environment and traditional knowledge and culture. Do trees communicate? Do they look after each other and other species? In this edition, producer Rick Bachner unearths a sophisticated network of codependent life forces below and above our feet. Every year, millions of people go to forests to hike, camp, gather foods and medicines, and to renew themselves. We instinctively respond to the presence of trees, especially old ones, by slowing down and becoming more silent and contemplative. Time slows and we begin to see things we had not considered before. Imagine the patience of trees. Current research, as well as ancient knowledge, tells us that our lives are dependent on and intertwined with trees. In this documentary, we will explore forests as parallel communities to ours. This is more literally true than you might expect. To guide us on our journey, we're fortunate to have with us John Louis an elder from the Slyaman Band of the Coast Salish First Nation, Dr. Stephen Ong, a Buddhist teacher, medical professor, and Chinese medicine practitioner, Ivan Rozipski, a Heltsik artist, carver, and bark weaver from Bella Bella, and Paul Stamets, a mycologist, visionary, and fungus researcher. Each of them holds a unique perspective on the forest. Together, they become one voice for change in our most basic assumptions about trees and tree communities. I'm Rick Bachner. Welcome to the Energetic Forest. spruce, one of the biggest spruces in Canada, therefore in the world, between Port Renfrew and Cowichan Lake. This is a massive spruce tree. I think it's something like 45 feet in circumference, so almost 15 feet, 13 feet across. And it's been here for a thousand years, I would guess, at least. And things have stayed the same in this spot long enough to let it get this big. I find that remarkable. Tree time is so different than human time. And anything that can live this long and survive attains a sense of um, substance and specialness or reverence for this spot. Amazing, amazing tree. You can't see it all 
you just see this massive trunk going up and then it's lost in the branches and you can't see the top of course but it's over 200 feet high and the first impression is just like to stand there and go wow what a remarkable creature and here the little creek that's been feeding it all these years. Most of the area around here has been logged several times, but I'm grateful that they didn't take this one. Remarkable tree. The tree has been seen as a symbol of a balanced life by many cultures. Trees join heaven and earth by transforming light from the sun into solid matter. It takes both earth and heaven to grow a tree. In the process, the wood takes on the quality of a book. Each ring is a page, a year's time lived. Old trees have occupied the same spot for hundreds, even thousands of years. In that time, they have evolved strategies for communication, found ways to move nutrients between various species, and managed to live in harmony in the forest ecosystem. That whole time period is recorded in the grain, bark, and form of the tree in patterns. One can learn to read those patterns to understand the history of that place. Trees use chemicals to communicate on the wind, to warn others of danger from insects or disease. They form support systems with the fungal mycelial web in the soil to move nutrients between each other. They share nourishment with their offspring. In short, they have a community. Instrument makers know that each species of wood has a sound of its own. Spruce produces a clear and bright tone in stringed instruments, but takes years to attain its full quality. Cedar has a warmer sound that develops quickly. Mahogany gives a rounder, warm tone to the sound than the brilliant, crisp sound of rosewood. This knowledge is part of learning the craft, but it also resides in the wood itself. Luthiers are very fussy about what wood they use because they have a sense about the sound of each piece. The sound is a reflection of the environment the tree grew in, sort of a sound diary. You could say each tree has a voice. It takes at least 500 years to grow an old-growth forest. There is a kind of stability there because there is less competition. They've worked it out, unless wind or fire create an opening in the canopy. I think the peacefulness we experience among old trees may be because they don't have to grow quickly. They just have to stay upright. It is a forest in balance. Tree time is very slow. 
but you can see evidence of movement of time in every part of the tree. It is comforting to know that something can survive long after our own short lives are over. This is why we commemorate births and deaths by planting trees. Many religions base their philosophy on the image of a tree. In the Kabbalah, the tree of knowledge holds high regard. The cedars of Lebanon were revered. The Bodhi tree, where Buddha attained enlightenment, is still alive and over 2,000 years old. Trees are connectors. Even science had its aha moment when Isaac Newton sat under an apple tree and understood gravity. The language we use for trees parallels our own physical body. Trees spread their limbs. Trees have trunks and crowns. People gather at the foot of a tree. This language recognizes the importance of our dependence on trees. Oriental medicine recognizes this as well. This is Dr. Stephen Ong. All the trees will do healing, but some trees are more associated with older people. Some are cancer, some are gastrointestinal diseases, some of them are skin diseases and so on. And they are just like different specialists practicing the medicines. They are just like human beings. They are connecting the upstairs is heaven, downstairs is earth. Salish people have a word, jeje. It is used to name all the relationships in a family and the world around you. It is also the name for cedar. Slyam and Elder John Louis describes it like this. The tree itself is called jeje. But in terms of our culture, jeje is my relation to you or to my family. Right. It's how we're connected. So the term jeje means that. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all intertwined one way or another. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's why you have to have respect for everything. Mm -hmm. Dr. Stephen Ong has traveled the world visiting grandfather trees like the Bodhi tree, the giant baobabs of Africa, and the redwoods of North America. I asked Dr. Ong, what draws us to old trees? Because tree is part of the human. So human beings appreciate the green colors, which is a happiness for everybody else. So when they get holiday, they are looking for the place where they can rest and they can heal themselves. And tree is the most generous, I would say, objects in the universe. Mm that heal the many people and many animals and many other plants. First Nations artist Ivan Rzybski 
also uses the forest to recharge, renew, and to gain insights. The forest has, um, for me, has provided me um, supplies for my weaving, um, mm -hmm. carving, um, and, and medicine. Uh, the forest has got medicine that I'm still learning about and it's just unbelievable. The the U-wood bark, uh, devil's club, and also and, and cedar boughs. Mm -hmm. That's what we use um, pretty regularly. Whenever I have, uh, say, issues, I've got a problem, or if I have friends that um, um, have to deal with problems, uh, I automatically tell them to go to the forest. I come from Bella Bella and I have feelings when I'm going to see the forest up there that maybe this is a spot where nobody walked ever before. Mm -hmm. And it's totally possible. Paul Stamets' first experience of really listening to the forest came from a different direction. Did you have a moment when you became aware of the energy of the forest? Um, yes, indeed. I did under the influence of psilocybin mushrooms. Right. And um, that's when my mind's eye was opened. And um, for those who haven't done them, you know, the floodgates of the senses, um, you know, bring in, are, are open and you bring in so much more information. And then when in the old growth forest, under those circumstances where my consciousness was raised, my receptor sites were open and I realized that everything was talking. Yeah. The, the ferns, the moss, the trees, the whisper of the winds, the silence of the forest, which can be deafening, seems like an oxymoron. How can something so quiet be so loud? But with a cacophony of everyday noise all around you, when you're in total silence, you can hear that silence. That to me was prof profound. You are listening to Deep Roots on CKTZ Cortez Community Radio, an examination of environment and traditional knowledge and culture. And when the willows spoke, it is my tree spoke it showed me magic and when the rowan spoke it protected me and when the apple spoke it made me What are the implications of recognizing our bond with trees? Once we acknowledge the value of what we receive from forests, food, building materials, transportation, clothing, medicines, and oxygen, we must ask ourselves what we offer in return. What happens when a tree is no longer just a resource to be sold, but a relation in the sense of jeje? I was always told that when you go into the forest, you announce yourself to pay respect to all our judges. You, it's just like you coming in. You just don't walk in without announcing yourself. Yes. Right? 
it's the same thing when you go out fishing or hunting or stuff like that. And I think the stories I've told, you put your hand in and you ask permission of the water to go on the water. It's not our world, so you pay respect to that. So going into the forest and announcing yourself was a lesson. You have to respect everything that was there. How can we use the gifts of the forest without destroying it, and ourselves, in the process? Whether you are a First Nations person, a scientist, an environmentalist, or a logger, it never hurts to learn to listen and observe more closely. This is how we learn. The forest ecosystem becomes an incredibly complex place once you accept that it is a community comparable to ours. When a person is looking for help or support um, back in the day, they would look on the different animals, the different species for their power. And sometimes, the way I was told, if you're looking for that, you go and look for a, a grandmother cedar tree. And you would go and sleep by that cedar tree for however long it takes to get that power that you're looking for. I asked Paul Stamets what he considers the gift of the forest to be. Well, the answer to that question is not easy, but this is a perfect example of the more that you study a subject, the more you realize you didn't know, and you have the sense there is uh, a, a not unfathomable, but such a deep reservoir of knowledge yet to be discovered that is resident all around you. So that, to me, um, is really reflective in the old growth forests are of our, our deep genomic libraries of, of, of history, of evolutionary history. So the ecosystem is not static, it's continuously changing. But within the biology of all ecosystems, and particularly like old growth forests, you have an evolutionary history going back thousands of years. The forest that you see today is the end consequence of hundreds of years of recycling, of climaxing, of regeneration, shifting biodiversity. And so we're seeing a snapshot in time of a history that goes back thousands of years. In the last few years, scientific researchers like Paul Stamets and Suzanne Simard have explored the wood wide web, the layers of fungal mycelium that carry nutrients, moisture, and information between trees, even of a different species. Through the web of mycelium, the fungus takes some of the tree's sap for its sugar proteins in exchange for minerals, protection from harmful microbes, moisture in dry times, and a connection between trees connected to this web of mycelium. If a tree is attacked by insect pests, it develops a protective chemical that repels or delays the attacker. These are carried by the wind and through the roots to their attendant fungus to other trees as a warning. The mycelium is constantly transforming dead wood into nutrients and are a major component of forest soils. 
They make cellular connections with the root hairs of the trees and then become a sensory extension of the tree itself. Paul Stamets explains. You and I are, and everyone listening is a giant community of microorganisms. We've been elected to have one voice. We have the super, architect super architecture, which is, which is what we call a human, but we're enormous carriers of complex microbial communities that ebb and flow throughout our lifetime. And when they're in homeostasis, we have a host defensive resistance. Same true with the forests, same true with the soils. And so many people might not know, I mean, this has just been coming out. I've been talking about this for decades, but it's so nice that, that um, science can validate many of the thoughts that I've had earlier, which has been shared by other people, not just myself. But up to 70% of healthy soils are microbial in mass. 30% of those microbes are fungal. That means 20% of the soil, the mass of soil that you walk upon, is fungal. And it's, and it's direct origin, either living or dead tissue. Now, as that tissue decomposes, then bacteria and other fungi and other organisms feed upon it. So really, it's an underestimate of the benefit and consequence that fungi have in the ecosystem. The fungi and the mycelial networks are the foundation of the food web, a superstructure upon which all sorts of other organisms are determined by the antimicrobial properties of mushroom mycelium that then chooses the microorganisms that associate with the plants to give rise to the forest canopy that creates the debris fields that feed the mycelium. So mushroom species are deterministic in trying to protect their own progeny by creating long-term forest ecosystems the grain of the wood tells a story and holds history and information for those who can read it. A family in England had a painting of William Shakespeare as a young man. It had been in the family for many generations, and they wished to authenticate the piece for insurance purposes. It was painted on a piece of brown oak. By photographing the grain on the back of the painting, and comparing it to dated oak furniture made locally in the same period, forensic scientists were able to prove the wood was from that era. Weather records were compared to the grain to date it more precisely to Shakespeare's lifetime. All this information from a board. So imagine all the levels of information that can be held for thousands of years by an old tree. Weather records, fire history, climate change, recorded over centuries, as well as other information we have not thought about yet. Paul Stamets calls it a genomic library and points out that the resilience of an ecosystem depends on biodiversity. A thousand-year-old library embodies more information than a 60-year-old one. There is value here that cannot be underestimated for future generations. We need to turn around our idea that we have dominion over nature, that it is there just for us, and begin to hold up our end of the conversation to ensure the necessities of life that we depend on receiving from trees, 
We either have to take a more active role in preserving the ecosystems that support them or do without those things. Oxygen is tough to do without. All of the people I interviewed for this project repeated one word above all others, respect. No matter the background they came from, they all said that we had to learn to see and use forests with gratitude and respect. If we can do that, then it will not be possible to destroy the last pockets of old forest we have left. This process begins with you. What we call our body is actually a colony of microorganisms with an identity. So is the forest. We work to ensure the survival of our children. So do trees. We suffer and adapt new ways of living in response to our experiences. So does an ecosystem. At some point, we will feel that we are part of a larger organism called life. To respect ourselves, we will also have to respect all life around us. That will be a paradigm change that will open new solutions to old problems. How long will it take to learn respect? You know, old people knew what they were talking about. Yes. It's going to take a while. That's the part that a lot of people don't understand. It's going to take a long time. As long as you you know personally that you're doing what you can for it. Because mm -hmm. I can't speak for anybody else. Right? I went to treatment a number of years ago. And I was asked by the counselor, How long were you drinking, John? Which seemed like a strange question for me. It made me upset. So, and he said, I said What's that got with about 27 years? Well, it's going to take you about 27 years to clean up all the stuff you put yourself through. So in that kind of light, how long have we been? That's just to deal with what has gone on. How long is contact? 300 and 400 years? Probably take that long. That's only if we start today. We have to look for all these areas of healing that have trees that we should respect and we should uh, cultivate them to become stronger and healthier so that we can see the trees which last longer and it's known as supreme healer tree, the trees and then we should make them and grow healthier so that they can last longer you know, I think through suffering and, and education and empathy and, and sympathy and respect for other organisms, we grow. And we're always in a state of continuous growth and increasing our awareness of nature. Well, we're still children in our consciousness. We, are, we aren't evolved enough. We need to have a paradigm shift, a quantum leap in our consciousness. You know, that's what I think is necessary. I believe now we're at the convergence of spirituality and science. And at a time critical when we need to have paradigm shifting solutions, 
I believe that you walk with good intentions, not monetarily driven, but driven with passion, driven with respect for First Peoples, for the history of your ancestors that got you here, knowing that you're involved in something far more important than yourself. I believe nature will reward you. And I think this is indeed what happens. Who would think that in these graceless days of language upside down and words turned to horns, in the quiet there's a place to be once more among the dryads and unicorns. And I stood silent beneath trees, and I stood silent beneath, and I stood silent beneath trees, and I stood silent beneath. Thanks to writer-producer Rick Bachner for this edition of Deep Roots. Technical help from Rob Selmanovic and Sean Cowell. Deep Roots senior producer is Greg Osoba. Cortez Community Radio is grateful to the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Victoria Foundation, other donors, and the Clahoos First Nation for their support. More information can be found at cortezradio.ca.